Hello listeners and welcome back to the Plus Dave podcast. We are of course the only Tottenham Hotspur theme show that's brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave who returns this week after an excellent outing as a makeshift substitute host last week and I of course did my best attempt to fill the very large shoes of Elio who I'm glad to say has rejoined us for this week. So Elio welcome back to the PDP. How did you enjoy listening to Dave and me last week? I'm scared to speak at this point. (laughs) We are having technical difficulties, I have to tell listeners. This is about our fourth attempt to record without my internet crashing, so we'll do our very best. Elio, take it away. Last week was a really good episode, far better than when I'm around, because frankly, I don't like (laughs) listening to myself. Um, You liar. Dave was an excellent host, not that you're not usually, obviously, and it was nice to hear some really kind of fresh perspective that was completely sort of uninfluenced by me. I I did really enjoy listening the last episode good fun even though i did call you my spurs dad and referenced the fact that you spent most of my childhood bringing me up on I, spurs i felt quite honored by some of the umbrage you two paid me <laughs> i mean straight from the off as well you were both saying we'll do our best even though elio's not here it was it was lovely to hear it, it made me feel really special <laughs> we're all very diplomatic here aren't we i think we need to be a bit meaner to each other which is where dave comes in dave welcome back you are the group's troll after all and i suspect you're probably quite relieved not to be hosting this week Yes, I am. I didn't particularly enjoy it, but uh, (laughs) I'm more than happy to go back to my own chair and get in my own box. Well, you couldn't tell for a second, Dave. I think you did an excellent job, and I'm sure Elio agrees. I'm sure our listeners agree, but we'll give you a few weeks off before we try that particular experiment again. This is quite a big episode. Once again, a lot to talk about. It feels like we always do. We've, of course, got the pressing game to talk about, a 3-0 win, getting us into the fifth round of the FA Cup, which has now been drawn, and we know who we're going to be playing, or at least one of the two that we're going to be playing. We, of course, have Man City on the horizon as well, so we're going to get Elio's thoughts on that. And there's been drama in the transfer window. We talked about some potential transfers last week, there have been developments and at this exact moment we're not entirely sure what's happening so there's a very real chance that the state of play might change over the course of this podcast that is of course if my internet lets us get through the whole thing first of all Elio let's go back to Preston so on paper a pretty routine 3-0 victory you watched the game talk me through it how did you find our performance and was it kind of the team you were expecting to see probably more rotated than I expected not that that's a bad thing by the way but Mm. I think it was what you expected from that game Preston being the lower side were very defensive very much hoping to earn the replay get the big money fixture at Argus on TV we had a lot of the ball we spent a lot of time not really knowing how to get through a pat back line until Son produced that moment of magic and then after that we played on our own terms it's you know I love yep. the FA Cup you know I actually quite enjoy the fact that a smaller team from a lower league can rub shoulders in that way so it was kind of what you expect from that kind of a game and in the end I wouldn't say the result was flattering to us it was probably deserved but at the same time you'd also say it was harsh on Preston at the same time if that makes any sense whatsoever yeah yeah they probably deserve something out of it even if we were the better team so to the goals Dave you've had a look at the highlights frantically over the three minutes that preceded our recording as is your tradition I want to say could have watched the whole match <laughs> you could have done yeah if you knew if only you knew what do you make of the goals is Son back is this another false dawn or do you think we've got a load of Son wonder strikes to look forward to in the second half of the season well that'd be good wouldn't it 
I would, that would definitely put cats amongst pigeons if you keep getting beat, but ultimately Son wins the push gas and the golden boot and goal of the month for yeah. every month to the end of the season. That'd be nice. They're the trophies that really count. I, those are the real trophies, exactly. Mm. Um, but no, the first goal... Um, on, I nearly did a Frank Lampard then, didn't I? <laughs> Comedy and then, but no, seriously. But no, seriously. Um, yeah, first goal was a wonder strike. There's a great angle on the three minute highlights segment that I watched, which was just from behind over Son's left shoulder and you could see the bend on it and uh, and really, the bend really did keep it away from the keeper. It was a really great strike. Yeah, second best goal scored by an Asian Premier League footballer this week, I would say, after Mitoma. Mm, I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> no, pretty good. I, I wasn't asking you, Dave, I was telling you it was. That, that goal okay, was something yeah. else. Cool, cool. But it was only one of two goals as well. So he scored a couple. Elio, the first goal, the long-range goal, left foot again, lovely finish. That that wasn't just a case of a lower league keeper. That was just a great finish, wasn't it? No one yeah, saved that's that. beating every goalkeeper around easily. What did you make of his second goal? Do you think his second goal could have been defended better? Um, or do you take anything away from Son for yes, that? Yes, the defender could have been a little tighter, a little bit more, I guess, in tune. But that is a championship defender against last season's Premier League Golden Boot winner. So who let's... <laughs> yeah, it's what you expect. Isn't yeah, it? and yeah. Son shifted one way, went the other, hit a very good strike. Don't blame the goalie in the slides. He was definitely going to be wrong-footed by that. And credit yeah. Son for scoring a very good goal. Maybe a Premier League centre-back would have done better against him. Maybe not. Who knows? Obviously, so far this season, Premier League yeah. centre-backs have done better against him. But you can only judge it for what it was. And what it was was a very good yeah. piece of skill from a player who look to be playing with a bit of confidence so all for it okay the Preston defender may not be Virgil van Dijk but we're not talking about an amateur team here we're talking about a good high level footballer here and Son made him look a mug fair enough I guess potentially more importantly how did you find Son's performance on the whole because I mean it's lovely to see him finding the net because he needs that confidence obviously and let's see if it translates to Premier League games but what did you make of him on the whole in that he game? was alright he looked a bit more confident he was trying to take on people he was still running into blind alley he still lost a couple of silly balls. I mean, Son's performances are kind of always the same. The big difference in a good Son game and a bad Son game is whether or not he has a chance to score. Because if he has a chance to score, he invariably does. The issue this season is that teams have been quite cute to the runs he's making and the way we try to release him. And therefore, he hasn't had those chances. So his sort of erratic Mm -hmm. touch, his slightly wayward passing has been amplified. I don't think any of his overall build-up play aspects of his game have been particularly worse than last season. It's just that last season he was also scoring goals all the time. I mean, we were making the same criticisms yeah. of Son last season. Yeah. It's just that last season he rammed them down our throat with a golden boot winning performance. Well, that's the thing. I think we were actually quite critical of everything in his game other than hitting the ball in the net. And when that's the one thing you're doing well, you get away with it, don't you? And that's kind of not been the case this season. And obviously he's been exposed a little bit. Uh, Dave, we talked quite a lot about Honor Danjuma last week. Fairy tale opening for him, came off the bench and scored. Not the cleanest strike though, was it? We're talking about this before we started recording. I thought it looked nicer in the first instance, but slow motion replays showed it might have been a little bit fortunate, shall we say. Yeah, I think that one goes in the they all count box under the bed uh yeah. hey yeah. the anthony gordon scrapbook <laughs> absolutely they uh, <laughs> they all count and he will forever now be known as 
a winger plays for Spurs who scored in yeah. his debut. So he you scored can't in his that. debut, just like Stephen Bergwijn. Bergwijn's was probably a little bit more deliberate and a bit more emphatic, I would say. If you can remember that goal against Man City, Dave, I'm really testing you here. Do you remember the, the sort of volley, took a touch and fell down not. shooting it? No. When we're done, go on YouTube it because I know you'll appreciate it. And I will um, do that if you go and look up the Sunderland double save from the 73 Cup final. <laughs> you have yourself a deal there, sir. That sounds sounds like a great idea. So Spurs are through to the fifth round, as of course our lead. So, uh, come on, I've got you, the cup. While I've got you, so you will be facing most likely Fulham. But as you just made reference to Sunderland there, of course, with that famous double save, they could also be your next opponents. Assuming it's Fulham, is that where your run's going to end? I really hope not. And and ultimately, you know, I I really hope it's Sunderland, to be honest. But they gave a good account for themselves in London. And the replay is at the Stadium of Light. And there will be 40,000 people there. So... You never know. Um, I've actually been to a Sunderland versus Fulham game in the Stadium of Light and ended one all. So it can't be that. Obviously, that can't happen again. It was 1-0 to Fulham. This was the Laurie Sanchez days of Fulham. So it was a proper, Mm. we're winning away, we're winning away. How sh** must you be? We're winning away. Um, (laughs) But Roy Keane was the manager of Sunderland, so they were no better. We chanted that at Man City, didn't we? (laughs) Half time. That didn't go down Um, well. But yeah, let's keep talking about Leeds. Um, um, Please do. I'm very, very hopeful it's it's not a great draw. It's a bit of a mad draw. It's our twelfth consecutive away draw in the FA Cup, which is a record equaling. Um, <laughs> we haven't played a non-replay at Ellen Road for yeah. a very long time. But yeah, I'm hopeful that regardless of who it is, Sunderland or Fulham, we can give a good account of ourselves, play a strong team, and if we do that, you never know. We're playing decent football at the moment. We're just we're yeah. just not getting the break. Well, I wish you the best of luck. You're actually in the fifth round of the FA Cup, though. That's two rounds more than <laughs> usual. <laughs> the curse is broken. Yeah, we were really confused. Like, like The fan base were like, what happens after the fourth round? We've never done it. <laughs> you've also hijacked, if I'm going to take some parlance from recent transfer sagas, you've hijacked our long-time transfer target in Weston McKenney, who realised he is American and therefore must sign for Leeds. So congratulations there. That looks like it could be an interesting one. Just to put on that point, I mean, that's a good sign. I'm really happy about that because mm. we needed another midfielder in the team. But yeah. I am fascinated that you're not the only person. In fact, the entire tier mm. of Sky Sports, the entire of Five Live, the entirety of everybody who's jumped on the another American bandwagon. We've got three Americans in our squad. We've got seven Spaniards. Nobody says anything. Yeah, but there's loads of Spaniards in European Victor Orta's turning us into Spain too. <laughs> That's a very good point, Dave. That's a very good point. I'd, I'd love to delve further into that if this was a Leeds podcast, but I thought we've given you your quote no, no, for the day. No, so let's no, no, there's a bit more about anyway. Leeds to say. But... <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, we're there, a Leeds podcast there's, there's now. There's Jack Clark's talk about Jack Clark against the, mm. the hand that reared him. He scored. Yeah. He scored a great goal together. This generation's there. great entertainer. This generation's great entertainer indeed. <laughs> well, Sunderland well also done, signed uh, Joe Gelhart from us on loan until the end of the season, but yeah. obviously he can't play. But he will get the provided. Mark my words. Are we ready to talk about Spurs again? Fine. Fantastic. Let's talk about Spurs. So Spurs are also drawn away in the fifth round. So we will be facing either Sheffield United or, this is a fairy tale, Wrexham, of course, owned by the legendary Ryan Reynolds. Elio, I'm assuming you'd like us to face Wrexham for a host of reasons, but how are you feeling about the FA Cup on the whole now that we're in the fifth round? Potentially, a, I don't want to say a favourable draw, but it could be worse for the fifth. Liverpool are out. Looking? Arsenal are out. Newcastle yeah. are out. I think Chelsea are out as well. So as I far as... So. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just Man City and Man United and Brighton really. As far as I'm concerned, any <clears throat> team, if 
If we get knocked out by any side that isn't one of the Manchester clubs, I will be disappointed with our FA Cup campaign. We're getting knocked out by Leeds. Let's just accept it from now. We're getting knocked out by Leeds in the quarterfinals. Mm. You heard it here first. But seriously, do you look at that draw and obviously you're not going to sit there and think, oh, Man City or Man United will definitely beat them because, you know, we're realistic. But do you think this is as good a chance as we've had in a while? Absolutely. There are 32 teams left in the FA Cup. Only two of them are sides that are above us in the entire football league pyramid. So you've got to be... You've got to believe. You've got to think there's a chance at least, but... Listen, cup competitions, cup competitions. We're going to have won an FA Cup more recently than we have. I just hope that Conte realises that he's got a real opportunity there to do something that no Spurs manager has done in over 30 years. Exactly. Would be lovely. And if Mr. Levy puts you in charge before that game, Elio, as the the papers are starting to suggest is a possibility, are you putting out a full strength team when that game arrives? Is this the point where you say we're fully focused on the FA Cup now? When's the game fall? I'm just trying to picture it in terms of Champions League fixtures. It's a midweek, isn't it? The the next round of the Cup. And I believe there are no replays in the next round of the Cup. I believe that might be right. If that's the case, go full strength. It'd be a wild thing to say if it was was wrong. (laughs) I hope for two reasons you're right. One, because you'll look very silly if you haven't. And two, because I can't be bothered to double check that you're correct. I think so. I think it's the end of February and I don't think there are... In more news, Dave announces that there are no longer offsides. (laughs) (laughs) VIR has been scrapped. (laughs) Frank Lampard is a manager. (laughs) That is just a bald-faced lie. Moving on. Okay, so we're going to win the FA Cup. In summary, we're going to win the FA Cup. More on that when it arrives. A game that we are probably less likely to be considered favourites for, despite being 2-0 up at their ground the last time we faced them. Very recently is Man City who come to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium very Mm. shortly on the 5th of February I believe Elio game that I expect you will be at we talked about this last week I want to hear your thoughts because we were joking about how as Spurs you probably almost rather play Man City away because there's almost less pressure and with the way that the fan base is at the moment and the some of the vitriol from the stands of which you are not involved of course because you're loyal in good weather and bad but do you think there's an element now in these big games where the players might be under a little bit of pressure do you think the mood of the fan base at the moment is getting in the players heads I'm not so sure about that I think the fans are obviously quick to turn during a match if things aren't going very well but I don't think that's different to when mood around the club is good either. I think football fans are notoriously fickle these days. We're in the age of the rage, baby, when the second something doesn't go your way, you wait yourself and cry for your dummy. I think our fans (laughs) have always been relatively susceptible to that particular trope anyway. What I would say is that... When we play a team like Manchester City, who we know are likely to be better than us, we're probably more acceptant of them putting us in our place. And I know that sounds a little bit small club, a bit defeatist, but which club other than maybe Arsenal right now can say any different? I think what our fans want to see from the players, even in the face of being faced with a team like that, is... The players Mm. fighting for things, the players battling for every blade of grass. If they miss out on that, that's when they're going to come out with the Enoch out, Levy out chance. But no, I don't think the fans are in the players' heads. I think the players are in their own heads right now. And that's been a big part of what they've been struggling with. I think we're at the point now where the Enoch out, Levy out chance are coming invariably. I don't think it's as a result of bad performances anymore. I think it's just kick off and let's start chanting. Certainly from what I saw from the away games anyway, in the cup on TV, there's definitely a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, normally followed by a lot of support for 
for you know the Antonio chance coming afterwards as if to say it's not everyone it's just Levy let's make that clear which is interesting I, I don't feel like that's always been the case necessarily well look, talking about the Man City game obviously we have the I want to say luxury but I'm trying to think of a better word but we we have the benefits of having just played them so hmm. we can look at that game how that went obviously 2-0 up a half time we all know the rest we lost 4-2 we fell apart in the beginning of the second half is there anything we can learn from that other than don't let Riyad Mahrez run through your defence three times in a row and don't give the ball away needlessly? Is there anything that you can look at that game and say, okay, I mean, let's not do this. This is where we can beat them. And Dave, feel free to jump in if you have any bright ideas on how to beat Man City because we're all ears here. I don't want to go into too much depth about it because obviously you already covered it a lot in the episode without me and you did a very good job. What I would say is... The best way to ever beat City, as far as I'm concerned, is to ruffle their feathers as much as you can. Every time we've beaten them, whether they've had more ball than chances, whether we've had more ball than chances, whether it's been Pochettino, Nuno, Jose Mourinho, whatever, it's always been by ruffling their feathers. It's always been by making them uncomfortable. That doesn't mean by playing any kind of anti-football or anything like that. It just means you don't let them settle, you don't give them space. And yes, I know they've got players that are great at receiving the ball under pressure, getting it on the half turn playing quick passes and dragging you out of shape but I think if you're just passive against them and you invite them onto you then you're playing a lottery of will they take their chances or not whereas at least if you get in their face and play a bit of a game of okay we'll give you the space that you're probably going to get anyway but Mm. we're also going to try and exploit your gung-ho approach by getting in behind you I think if you do that, you've got more of a chance. So put Son right up there. Make him give their fullback a second thought about whether to bomb on or not. Make sure that De Bruyne thinks, okay, if I roam from here, is that going to leave a gap for Benton Court to charge through with the ball? Like, just, just make sure that they have reasons to be concerned about yeah. it. They'll still be the best team on the day, but... They still have to take their chances. And yes, they've got a player that's great at taking chances in Erling Haaland. We've got a player that's great at taking chances in Harry Kane. So make sure that they have something to worry about and you've got a much better chance of beating them, in my opinion. If you just go passive, if your game plan is all about hoping for the best, you lose. Do you want to see some dark arts from Spurs? Do you think that's the way to do it? Get in their head? Should we have Romero going up to Haaland and winding him up, telling him I mean, his hair looks silly? I imagine that's what your team's want. Your hair looks silly, Alec. <laughs> that's exactly what I'd say. You look like the rejected member of Hanson. I just... <laughs> um, dark arts is such a funny phrase. I don't really think dark arts is a thing. I mean, what team... All right, let's call it shithousery. Pick what your team word. isn't doing it? What team isn't doing it? Good point. But we need to level it up, surely. We need to, if you can't beat them on the pitch, you can beat them in their heads, right? You're talking about nullifying their approach, letting them realize or believe that their way of winning football matches isn't necessarily going to work against us. Be like, fine, okay, you can have 75% possession. You can spend most of the game camped in our third, but we're still going to make it work in our favor. It's all about getting in their heads, right? I agree with that, but I don't, no, I don't think that. I think okay. Manchester City players are such winners and so used to winning that we're not going to get in their heads just by trying to give them a bit of insecurity. These guys are absolute sociopathic egomaniacs who think that everything (laughs) they do is perfect and because of that they deliver it with the confidence of absolute gods. I think the way you beat them is just by making sure... Well, it's not even about beating them. It's about first stopping them beating you and then beating them and that's just by making sure they, like I said, they have reason to worry and that's 
essentially by making sure they know you have an attacking threat too. At the mm. end of the day, City will have more chances and they'll have more possession. So if their centre-backs think they're a bit more rushed in playing that pass then we're more likely to nick something. If their defence thinks that we're going to get in behind them, then they'll focus on marking Son rather than overloading us. It's just about making sure that we give them something to worry about. And you may say that's the same as getting their heads, but I don't think it is. It's just about not being passive, not being cowardly. It's come at a pretty good time, hasn't it? Son scoring a couple of goals right before going to Man City. I mean, that might be in their heads before the game because he always seems to score against them and that won't have eased any nerves. Dave, it's prediction time. I want to hear how you think that game's going to go. I feel like we touched on this last week, but now that you've heard Elio's wisdom and factored it all in, you've seen Spurs, Preston in the highlights. Do you think Spurs have any hope? Because obviously we managed to take a 2-0 lead at their ground. So There's always hope, right? Yes, there is. That's, that's, that's what why keeps we're all us, here. That's what keeps us that is, uh, yeah. going to the games and turning on the TV. Yeah. But if you were a betting man, Dave, and you were walking into the bookies with the tennis a whack on, what's your hot tip for this game? Haaland hat-trick, Spurs 1-0, Son to score? Um, uh, my hot tip would probably be Man City win both teams to score. I think their defence can be got at, as you've proven, but I also think that everything has to go right to beat Man City. You know, yeah, and you have to make zero mistakes. If if you know, yeah, Loris is all out of mistakes, and everything else goes right, and you guys can press, and they make a mistake, then anything can happen. But yeah, I, there's no wiggle room for City now. They need to keep winning. Yeah, it's quite telling, isn't it? That when you actually look at the XG table and the expected points, Man City are running away with it. So on paper, they should be winning the league, and that's with a striker that is massively outperforming his chances in Erling Haaland. So it just shows that maybe there is something wrong at the back, and maybe they are actually conceding more than they should be, and maybe Edison isn't the the force he used to be so who knows but any result against City is going to be good but of course it's hard to talk about the game without talking about how we could line up and obviously that's going to depend potentially on a couple of transfers which leads me nicely into the transfer window Elio you heard us talking about Danjuma and Porro last week at that point it looked very much like Porro was done since then, we've arrived at a point where it's looked like it wasn't happening, and now it looks like it is. By the time we finish recording, who knows what will have happened. But first of all, Dan Juma, because we've obviously we've had a glimpse of him, and he's the one that's been confirmed, joined on loan with an option to buy. What do you make of him as a player? Have you seen much of him in the past? How do you see him fitting into I've our... I've seen Pedro Porro once. Hang on, Dan Juma first. Oh, Dan you Juma first, Dan out. Juma. Yeah. Sorry to wake you from your nap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know very little about Dan Juma. I know that he had a very good season last season, sort of a mid-20s sort of coming of age for Villarreal. He got a great reputation, got into the Dutch squad as one of the more important players, went to the World Cup. I don't want to feign knowledge of a player that I don't know much about. What I do know is that his reputation and what YouTube tells me is that of a quick, strong player who can play off the flank or in the middle and has the ability to take the ball and make quick decisions and get shots off early on after he receives it. So that should be quite exciting for us. Um, I feel like having him and Richarlison as alternatives to Kane and Son in terms of outright centre forwards and left winger is absolutely fantastic. Factoring the fact that Lucas is a right winger is 
finally fits with Dan Kulisevsky obviously being the main man there. And we've suddenly got a very, very tasty looking six for three in the front position. So yeah, yeah. couldn't be happy with that signing. And it may only be till the end of the season, but you know what? If he does well for us, then leave will come to some kind of arrangement, I imagine, with VRL, which involves the Celso going the other way. It may involve a month of negotiating, but let's see. So Poro then. First of all, before we talk about Poro as a player, I know you're keen to talk about him, but where do things stand, to your understanding, in this ongoing saga? Because... It seems to have changed a few times just today. Today being Monday, the time of recording. You know what? You know me, I kind of switch off in the transfer window. I don't follow the minutiae until it's done. I think 99 out of 100 ITKs are full of shit. I think that the journalists just make up what they think are going to get their rags clicks. But it does seem, according to the people that genuinely do seem close to the club, that Porro is all but done at this point. However, we were saying the same 24 hours ago, (laughs) so who knows what may happen by morning. Last night I went to bed thinking we were about to announce Porro. This morning I woke up seeing all the rage babies jizzing in their pants with hatreds on Twitter. So I think let's wait until he's holding his shirt up. So um, I have no idea how much of this is true, but my understanding was that we'd agree terms finally after much negotiation. And in the 11th hour, Sporting turned around and said, actually, no, give us another 3 million as an admin fee, I was told. Whatever the hell that means. I wasn't aware football transfers had admin fees. You, you pay an admin fee when you book a cinema ticket online. I was going to say, uh, have you ever, I mean, have you ever find- bought tickets on Ticketmaster? Yeah. <laughs> does, does Levy own that it's now? About 3 million quid when you get for my <laughs> yeah. Arctic Monkey tickets uh, it was it's very silly and, and 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 understandably there's some pushback because i mean that sounds to me very much like negotiating in bad faith i mean the player had already basically said his emotional goodbyes to the fans it's known that he was leaving there was always also the added complication of cancelo being announced as a new bayern munich player which came out of left field and of course if i'm not mistaken man city have a buyback option on pedro porro because he was in their setup at well, one point i think that may have helped us because mm. with Manchester City's buyback option or 50% off or whatever it is, if they signed him instead of us, then Sporting would stand to make a lot less money out of the deal. So I think they'd much rather sell to us than Manchester City, quite frankly. I guess in terms of how it's unfolded, I think we know so much about what goes on in football transfer these days. We see all this minutiae coming out from all these journalists, all these in the nose, um, all these professional bullshit artists that we get so heads up there was a time when you didn't hear about a transfer until it was about to be done or done and you had no idea whether it had taken three days or three months negotiating yeah. to get to that point so i almost feel like we just know way too much about what goes on and that's not the defense of the club by the way i do think we're dalliers i do think we miss out on good players because we have a poor approach to transfers mm. but i see nothing to suggest that this wasn't anything other than the usual kind of heave and hoe between two clubs and a very valuable asset and there's a lot of people saying why don't we just pay the transfer fee yeah. and to those fans I say if you're buying a house right now and someone advertises it for I don't know yeah. 400 yeah, just slap grand, down the asking price just, up front yeah. in a lump sum exactly yeah. If they ask for 400 grand, you slap down 320 and they say no and you go back and forth until you find something amenable to both parties. You don't just pay what they're asking for straight away just to get it done quickly. And anyone that thinks that we should have just paid the release clause three weeks ago just just doesn't seem to realise that 
tens of millions of pounds is a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're not talking about peanuts here. They may say, oh, well, it's not much Spurs. How do you know it's not much Spurs? It's not your money. <laughs> that is a very good point. And it's made even harder to grasp that when you see the likes of Chelsea throwing money around like it is Monopoly money. Anyway, first of all, I wasn't aware that being a professional bullshit artist was a career choice. And I wish someone had brought that to my attention a little sooner. <laughs> You're a recruiter. You are aware. You've been aware for a long time. I set myself up for that one, didn't I? Secondly, what do you know about Pedro Porro? I know you've seen him up close and personal against us once upon a time, but he should transform the way we play compared to Emerson Morel. Do you think that's an overstatement? God, transform the way we play. That is a lot of pressure hey, to put on a 23-year-old who's barely... He's taken a long time to sign. He better transform the way we play. Once upon a time, Roberto Soldado was our record transfer. <laughs> The end. In that summer, our other records were Paulinho and Eric Lamella. Okay. I'll take, take back my point on the transfer fee. But on paper, this is the perfect solution for our right wing back problem, isn't he? He should be. Absolutely. It's that very, very attacking wing back that should give us that dimension whereby we're threatening by both sides. He's a very creative player. He can dribble. He's quick. He's got a really good cross on him. He may not be the toughest nut in the world. He's not a short ass, but he's not going to enjoy the first few tackles he gets in this yeah. league I imagine but we're talking about someone who does like to dribble who has got a cross on him who does like to play the ball off the ground he he can pl- hit a good cross fielder as well so him and Perisic should have a very nice sort of cross flank mm. relationship and even if he's not a sturdy player he is an aggressive little player so he should still be able to get in his stance get in his tackles in terms of how much I've seen like I said before like a preface very little uh, mainly in the fixtures against us so I really don't want to hail him as the new messiah <laughs> we've replaced Kyle Walker finally after seven attempts well quiet uh, we'll see it's funny because I saw someone earlier saying it's very hard to sign a right back who's as good in attack as they are in defence like Kyle Walker was and that was a rubbish comment Kyle Walker was very very fast and strong he and wasn't energetic, great defence when he, he was with us did, he is pretty good now he made a lot of brain farts mm. when defensively and he didn't deliver a lot of great crosses attackingly what he was was a great cog in the yeah. system and that's what I expect Pedro Porro to be if it works out as we yep, hope. Fair enough. Well, the latest to hear from David Ornstein, Tottenham have now reached agreement with Sporting Lisbon to sign Pedro Porro. Fee Spurs will pay for the 23-year-old Portugal international right wing back is 45 million euros. Deal was revived today after overnight collapse and is now on to paperwork. Whether that comes through or not we'll see Dave if you're uh, if you're a betting man again is, is he going to sign for Spurs is there going to be another hijack at the last minute it's silly isn't it I don't remember it's transfer windows bonkers. being this much of a soap yeah. opera back in it's our bonkers. day kind of wish you were back in the uh, zero signings transfer windows of, oh no of, I don't of, wish for that definitely not um, that no I, I, it all seems like it's, it's going to go through and you know it, it has been a problem position for you it's a position that you know we discussed right at the beginning of the transfer window somewhere that needs to be strengthened and you're strengthening it so yeah let's see tick Fingers crossed for him. I don't want to put too much pressure on the young lad, but uh, I think he's going he's gonna to transform our team. But more on that <laughs> later. I think he's the no, messiah. No I think he's the messiah. Yeah, exactly. Poor Emerson Royale. Anyway, anyway, let's, uh, let's move on to other matters, shall we? I'm not sure what other matters there are, actually. Have we covered everything? 
That's, that's, more, like, yeah, that's more or less everything in terms of looking back and looking forward. We've obviously got the Man City game. We're going to talk about that in due course. I thought it might be interesting just to have a little look now that we are pretty much at the halfway point in the season in terms of games. I was listening earlier to one of our older podcasts from right before the season started where we all made a few predictions. I won't go for all of them, but I wanted to read out some of our hot takes because we've actually done quite well in some of our bold predictions for the season so far. The latest one to come to pass was actually announced today, and that is my prediction that Sean Dyche will manage Everton this year. He has now been announced, so Bielsa has dodged a bullet there, Dave. Sean Dyche is the new Everton manager. Um, another one was Elio saying that at some point Antonio Conte will get a touchline ban, which did happen very quickly early on in the season after that Chelsea sideline tussle. Dave called that Eric Dyer would make it back into the England squad. And so he did. Very good, Dave. Uh, you also predicted that Erling Haaland would get a goal a game this season. And as things stand, he's more than comfortably aiming for that. I said that Haaland will score five goals in a game. Dave, you called, and I think this one's looking quite good as well, you called that two of the three promoted clubs would stay up. So Fulham are obviously fine. Who's in the relegation zone at the moment? <sighs> I don't believe any non-promoted yeah. clubs. No. Oh, Bournemouth are just about. Uh, They're tied on points with Wolves and a point behind West Ham. But the other two are Everton and Southampton. And and you specifically mentioned Everton and Southampton, Dave, when you were going through this prediction and saying that they were the key reasons why uh, the promoted clubs might stay Mm. up at their expense. Slightly less successful predictions were that Ten Hag doesn't make it past the World Cup. No prizes (laughs) for guessing who wishfully predicted that one. Hey, you got to dream a dream, right? (laughs) And another Everton related prediction from Elio very charitably suggesting that Deli Ali might score 10 league goals this season for Everton he did score for Besiktas the other day though in, in this defence and I think he's now reinventing himself as a right back poor Deli Ali he keeps on coming up on the podcast and it's never, you should, it's you should have got him back yeah maybe save your money on Poro okay, that was probably why it took so long we were negotiating about bringing him back anyway that's more or less everything we had on the agenda other than with Elio returning for another week we were going to end things with another Long overdue episode Challenge Elio. But before we move on to that, let me just take this opportunity to remind everybody to please follow us on Twitter at Plus Dave Podcast. Follow me at Plus Dave Dags. You follow Dave at Fantasy Dave and Elio at Elio underscore P underscore THFC. Get in touch with us. Let us know if there's anything you'd like us to discuss. Any comments on this transfer window or on any game gone by or games coming up? Would you like to see us put a full strength team in the FA Cup? Do you want us to get Wrexham? How do you think we're going to do? Anything you'd like to let us know about. But before we move on to Challenge Elio, guys, Anything you would like to add to the agenda? You know what? I'm just glad we did this tonight. Eventually, after our technical issues, I had a day of spending way more time than I'd like on home to EDF because they decided not to give me electricity oh, today. No. So this has been refreshing. This almost didn't happen. This podcast. I almost had this no was the podcast equivalent of the Pedro Porro transfer saga. It was on again, <laughs> off again, stop, start. At the last minute, the terms were changed. This, this has been an ordeal. So if you're listening, I hope you appreciate the effort we've all gone through to do Hang on, this. Dags, are we recording? I hope so. (laughs) If not, then I quit. Um, Speaking of the immense effort that we all go to, Elio has taken time out of his busy schedule screaming at EDF customer service to Mm. prepare an episode challenge Elio for us. Elio, over to you. Okay, so based on the fact that Arnat Danjuma scored on his debut the other day, I've Mm. done one themed around debut goal scorers for Spurs over the years. So I'm going to read out little blurbs I've done about them, and I want you to guess the player. Dave's face just looked like a giant white flag. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's have it. 
Well, I'm not pitting you against each other. You're on the same team here. Okay, um, that's good. So, played for Real Madrid the season before joining. Was our top scorer twice. Can I, can I guess now? Go on. Dave, you got it. I don't, I don't know if I have. On, is it Van der Vaart? It is not. Ooh, I was, I was going to say Van der Vaart, to be fair. Was our top scorer twice. Was once also top scorer for Arsenal. Joined oh, us on loan okay. initially. Go on. Surely. Adebayor. It was Adebayor. Yeah. Well done, guys. Oh, Very good. Very good. So, this player made his debut against Chelsea. He left us on a free. He was a youth product who won the League Cup with us, an England international who played 255 league games for us, including as captain. He played for no. us under Venables, no. Ardilas, and George Graham, amongst others. Who is this no, player? it's not he who shall not be named. Sol Campbell. He scored on mm. his debut. He scored on his debut. He did in a 2-1 oh, loss wow. against Chelsea. Yeah, moving on from him. Moving we gave him way too much airtime already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This player signed from West Ham United after they got relegated. He made his okay. debut against Leeds. This was uh, in the 03-04 season. Scored a lovely volley in that game. He was born in France, but represented another nation in his international career. I've got it. Dave, you got it? Canute. Is it Canute? It was Freddie Canute. Very good. Well done. We're Underrated. Underappreciated Spurs player, I would say. I, I loved Canute as a Spurs player. Well, he's, yeah. uh, he, he was excellent on a version of Football Manager. I can't remember which one it was. When he was at What's Sibir? his middle name? What's Freddie Canute's middle name? I reckon he's got a good one. I'm I don't it up now. Know. I would guess Charles. It's Umar. Close. You were close, Dave. That was going to be your next like, guess. I was going to go for Sidi Yaya, personally. <laughs> See, that actually sounds right. Anyway. So those are Musa Dembele's middle names, if anyone's more, wondering where they are. More right than Clint Sidiaya Dempsey. <laughs> so, this player signed from us in 2012. He made his debut against us against Norwich. A midfielder who finished his career in China. Okay. He played in the 2014 World Cup and wore the number 19 for us. Born in Antwerp. Who is this player? Yeah. It's Dave's favourite midfielder. Come on, Dave, you know it. You got it. Dembele. It was wow, did, every, did every Spurs player score on their debut? I think so. Is that, is <laughs> Not that a, every rule? These ones did. <laughs> I mean, Dembele probably only. scored about seven goals in his career, I mean, so that's I mean, quite surprising. You're, you're naming a lot of... I mean, I guess it makes sense that they're famous and well-liked Spurs players, Sol Campbell aside. I mean, <laughs> even Roberto Soldado scored on his Spurs so debut. Fact, scoring on your Spurs debut is by no means a way to guarantee you're going to have a successful career at Spurs. Look at, yeah. <laughs> like oh my there's, God. there's probably a lot of terrible examples. I mean, I'm not going to say that. I just realised I did not include Dan, I did not include oh, Danny Rose in this, who did score on his debut. <laughs> uh, probably a bit hard to say he had a terrible Spurs career, but still, you know what I mean. He didn't have a terrible you know Spurs what I mean. career. This player signed from Monaco. He had two cents with Spurs. His first debut was against Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, I know this. He's a World Cup and European Championship I'll give you winner. A minute, Dave. Who also managed one country to a World Cup semi and another to a World Cup 16. He was Spurs top scorer twice. I think Dave can get I'm shocked if I haven't got it, but... I actually didn't hear the first half of that, but I'm going to guess Jürgen Klinsmann. <laughs> yeah. it, it was Jürgen Klinsmann. Well done. Just showing off. I only needed the second half. I got it. <laughs> okay. This guy... Signed from West Ham in 2004. At the same time, Bobby Zamora went the other way. Got it. In two stints at the club, he scored 91 league goals. His debut for us where he scored was against Portsmouth and he was our top league scorer twice. Did he also go on to play for Portsmouth by any chance? He may have. Come on, Dave. 
Uh, do you mind if I- You defo know this one. <laughs> it absolutely was. Two players left in this. This one signed from Roma in 2005 on an 18-month oh, loan. His debut was against Portsmouth, where he scored two goals. We did make that initial loan permanent. This player has partnered both Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Didier Drogba. For Spurs, he was managed by Martin Yol. He scored a total of 14 goals in 48 matches. I've got no idea where to start on this one. I was about to say Lamella, and then you said 2004. Signed from Roma, played with Ibrahimovic and Drogba. Oh, hang on. This I think we've had this guy on Who Am I? And Dave got it. Is it Idega Johnson? No. This player partnered Didier Drogba at Marseille and Ibrahimovic okay. at Ajax. Okay. He went to Roma. He is African. He was a very good partner to Robbie Keane for about half a season before he discovered the chick kick okay, on Tottenham High Street. Oh, I know Dave, you want to have a stab? No, I think I I'll figure it out. Think. Elio's fat shaming has just removed any doubt. No, uh, you go, Dags. I'm, I, I'm it's uh, the Egyptian king, oh, Mido. Of course. It, it absolutely Mido. is. Well done. He scored in his debut, and did he? Wow. He did, two against Portsmouth. Two Do you remember all of these, Elio? Yeah, I, I made a point to only put in players that I could honestly say I'd have got the right answer here. I don't want to just Google it on Wikipedia. I only want to do it if I think I could have got it myself. Fair enough. So the final one might be a bit trickier for you. Mm. This player signed from Newcastle in 2009. His debut where he scored was against Liverpool. He did go on to play for Norwich in 2012 when we sold him. He was born in Paris, but played international football for another nation. He played in the 2010 World Cup and he made 45 league appearances for us across three seasons. He was the centre-back. Oh, okay. That's just throwing everything up in the air. Winston, oh, yeah, I've got it. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Well done. Very good. I was, was about to come out. It was Seb Bassong. That was the last one you've got, yeah? That was the last one. I had a few ones that I deleted. Danny Rose, so, Stephen Bergwijn. I did Danny Rose. I had Danny Rose on there. I had Stephen Bergwijn on there. I had Dean Marnie on there, which I don't think either of you would have gotten a million years. No. Um, no. But yeah, I was far more concerned about just having a bit of fun than catching either of you out. So I hope you enjoyed it. I prefer it that way, to be honest with you, Elio. Good fun. Good, clean I've just fun. found a list here of Spurs players who have scored on their debut, and it's extensive. <laughs> Umbulelo Mabizela scored on his debut he did against Leicester a Very rocket good. from about 30 I'd, yards this is good because this is where I can test Elio if you see if he knows any of them uh, okay. Gilberto scored on his debut what Gilberto Silva yeah no apparently so yeah he got a goal against West Ham but that wasn't his debut his debut was a horror show against PSV Eindhoven unless you are talking about the West Ham goal uh, no it does say West Ham maybe maybe it's on the league debuts okay that's like the how, league debut I like how Elio's beating the internet at Challenge Elio so that's in Basong Danny Rose we did Adebayor we did Musa Dembele oh you mentioned Soldado oh uh, one of our current <laughs> regular stars has also scored on his debut endeared himself to the Tottenham supporters by scoring an injury time winner against West Ham on his debut in August 2014. Injury time winner against West Ham. He was a midfielder at this point. Oh, yeah. Eric Dyer. He was put through by Harry Kane on Pochettino's first match in charge. There you go. Another prime example of somebody who scored in his debut and it didn't quite paint an accurate picture of how things were to go was a young French midfielder who is currently on course to win the Serie A. You named mm. Tongi Ondombele. Against Aston Villa, deflected rocket. That's right. Last player to score on their debut for Leeds, 
was in 2019 and was Eddie and Ketia. Oh, wow. I mean, he's, he's not doing badly at the moment, is he? He's having a good time of it now. He's not bad for the backup striker to the backup striker to our backup striker. <laughs> and Billy Sharp's got in his debut, harking back to pre-live podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, in summary, so in summary, scoring on your debut for Spurs or otherwise means nothing. Means in absolutely nothing. So we have no idea what's going to happen with Benji. <laughs> I believe we once had a young player called Paul Mahorn in the 90s who scored on his debut I have no idea what the rest of his career looks like but he scored on his <laughs> debut for Spurs why do you remember that then? I think I was probably there <laughs> were you like six or something I don't know <laughs> brilliant anyway we're starting to talk utter nonsense so that's, that's probably a sign that we should wrap things up I've got no idea how long we've been going for because we've stopped and started about five times and I've lost track of the timer but for those of you who are still with us thanks for sticking it out and hopefully we're going to have a few more goals to talk about next time we do this, which will, I presume, be after the Man City game. So these two will hopefully be joining me again for that. Any closing thoughts before I let these lovely listeners go, gentlemen? I really hope we have a best chance for our new right wing back than Pedro Porro. He's a... Yeah, yeah. In fact, that gives us a week to come up with one. If you've got a good Pedro Porro chant, let us know. Send it to us at Plus Day Podcast and we might just sing it on the next episode. <laughs> Until then... You will stay classy, Spurs fans, and we'll see you next week. Peace,